Hey, Creatively Constipated. Welcome to the Curating Creativity Podcast. Thank you for joining. This is your host, Dr. Lori, creativity coach, board certified, OBGYN, reproductive endocrinology and infertility specialist, filmmaker, writer, artist, comedian, humorist, all the creative things. So I'm going to do something a little bit different today. Um, we've been, I've been telling you a little bit more about me, but I want to tell you about uh, what I wrote to get into film school. So I did mention that after I got divorced, I started doing stand-up comedy and storytelling. And I found that storytelling is what I do. I'm not a joke-joke person. Uh, I am someone who likes to tell stories, and I think that's another reason why I'm in film school. And stories are how we are wired as human beings. From the time we used to sit around the, the campfire or sit around the fire back in ancient times to now, we connect with each other on emotional and spiritual levels through stories. So I took a storytelling class, and the instructor it was with Story Club Cleveland, and the instructor said, write something you don't want to talk about. And I was like, huh, my whole life? <laughs> so I wrote a story about the first man I was involved with as I was legally separated from my husband and getting a divorce. Now, mind you, I was not feeling that great about myself initially until I started running, which made me feel super powerful. And then I was also working out with a trainer um, three days a week doing weight training. So I was looking great. And I started to feel great about myself. And I met this man actually on, a, on an airplane uh, when I was going to the day I was going to tell my um, now ex-husband that I wanted a divorce. So I'm just going to read this to you. Um, I've titled it Sean. That wasn't actually his name. And I'm going to read a little preface first. And maybe I'll try to act it out like my acting teacher says. So I'm going to start. One of the things I learned during and soon after my divorce is that the first person you should have a relationship with is yourself. Although loneliness may propel you into a relationship, there will be hard, painful lessons because you haven't healed yet. Have you found this to be true? Here's the experience with the first man I was involved with after my divorce. I wrote it during, during a storytelling workshop and performed it a few times since then. In February of 2011, I was sitting in the window seat on a Delta 737 to Atlanta, going to a friends and family weekend at my kids' colleges. And I was going to tell my husband I wanted a divorce. It took several years and therapy for me to come to this decision. I finally understood that his criticism, I was too sensitive and overreacting. Why did I think I could be a writer? I was selfish. The scorn and belittlement 
belittlement when I told him I was beyond tired and even suicidal, and his constant reminder that he was the only one that wanted me were emotional and verbal abuse. When the verbal abuse escalated into his hands around my neck, I knew divorce was the right decision. But I was still a wreck, sniffling and wiping my eyes, smearing my mascara. This was supposed to be a fun weekend. Instead, I was going to demolish my family. This brown-skinned guy in a Kangol hat, black turtleneck, blue jeans, and a black leather jacket sat next to me in the aisle seat. Through tears, I noticed he was attractive and athletically built. He was cramped in the seat. His right thigh unavoidably touched my left knee. I looked out the window, trying not to cry. He said, hello. I said, hi. I had my moleskin notebook open on my lap. I've been writing bad sentimental poems about R&B songs like We Ain't Tammy and Marvin, Ain't No Hot Mountain High Enough, and Beyonce's You Must Not Know About Me. He asked, are you okay? I said, no, I wasn't okay. I never wanted to be divorced like my mother or aunt. However, there's a Tyler Perry movie called I Can Do Bad All By Myself. I figured my life couldn't be any worse if I was all by myself, though I always said if a man ever looked at me sideways, I would leave. I stayed married to my husband. I did physically leave, and he made me feel like a deserter. I was now living in my mother's basement. I always dreamed of being married. In my high school memory book, I wrote, I would be an engineer married living in a mansion with my husband and two kids. I hated engineering and went to medical school. Our first mansion in Pittsburgh was an 11,000 square foot colonial revival on a hill with a heated driveway, swimming pool, and eight car garage. However, in six months, we were on our way to emotional and financial bankruptcy, living in rural Georgia in a two-story rented brick low country style house on a two-lane highway, a red clay dirt road on the right, trailer park on the left, and cotton fields. He asked, what's wrong? I said, you really don't want to hear a sob story, do you? I'm listening, he said. You can be intimate with strangers on planes because you probably won't see them again. I said, I'm going to tell my husband I want a divorce. He leaned over and looked into my eyes. His eyes were dark brown with gold flecks. He had long black eyelashes. I'm divorced. It's been about a year. By the way, my name is Sean. I looked down at my notebook, fingering the pages. I'm Lori. What's that you're writing? Sean asked. I said, sad, really bad love poems. Can I read one? I hesitate. There was blood on the page. My husband never read any of my poems, but appreciated the persuasive business letters I wrote for him. I handed Sean the notebook. You think you know about me, but you don't. I am brand new, laser-piercing eyes, see everything. I have a nose for shit, stinging and wounding, words spray from my mouth. I mean what I say and do it too. My spine is rigid and strong. I run on the razor's edge. I jump into fires like Kaylee 
I demolish worlds to get what I want, to get what I deserve. Sean looked into my eyes again. That was powerful. He handed my notebook back to me. I closed it. Thank you. Sean said, you know, Lori, I can help you through the divorce. You're going to need someone to talk to that understands. Sean reached into his back pocket and pulled out his wallet. He took out his business card and handed it to me. Call me anytime. I thought of the song Call Me by the band Sky. Why did you get divorced? My ex cheated on me. I wanted to kill her and the dude. I even planned it. Talking to my dad stopped me from doing something stupid. I haven't had sex with my husband in almost two years. I didn't know why I volunteered that information. The last two years of our 23-year marriage, whenever my husband touched me, my skin crawled. Sean's eyes were wide. Really? Well, you know if you're going to ask him for a divorce, you have to give him some. I laughed. I also had hot flashes and no desire. I began to think this was normal. I resigned myself to a miserable, married, sexless life. I wanted to make it to my silver wedding anniversary, though after this weekend, I knew I wasn't going to. To be polite, I put Sean's card in my wallet. I had no intention of calling him. Then I had one of the worst weekends of my life. Asking my husband for divorce didn't go as planned. In the past, I took him at his word. He'd always said if we get divorced, he didn't want anything from me. But his charismatic, robust man growled like a wounded grizzly. You think you're going to get out of this without paying? When I said, we haven't been happy for a long time. I want a divorce. He reminded me again, nobody is going to want you. I thought we'd have a conciliatory, collaborative divorce. My husband said, I'm not collaborating on shit. I was afraid to sleep on the floor next. I was afraid, and I slept on the floor next to the kingside bed in our hotel room. I listened to him snore all night. I told the kids about the divorce. They were angry that I ruined friends and family weekend. My daughter accused me of waiting until they were in college to ask for a divorce so I wouldn't have to pay child support. Before the weekend was over, my husband was offering to go to counseling. I said, it's too late. I went back to Cleveland. My husband started sending me texts and emails with Bible verses about Naomi and Ruth, Samson and Delilah, and Jezebel. I filed for divorce and got a restraining order. I marked his emails as spam and blocked phone calls. I started training for a half marathon. Running made me feel powerful and disciplined. I hired a personal trainer. I've always looked younger than my age. Now I felt younger. I continued therapy. Was I doing the right thing? Maybe I was Jezebel. April came and I wanted to go to a concert to see the R&B singer Kim. None of my friends could go. I came across Sean's business card in my wallet. I called my best friend, Melanie. I'm about to text this guy I met on the plane and ask him to the Kim concert. She said, okay, girl. Immediately, Sean texted back, 
I've been waiting for you to contact me. I was like, wow. Sean said he could go. He met me in the lobby of the State Theater. My underarms were moist like I'd never been on a date before. Sean was the tall drink of water I remembered. Dressed in a casual shirt and pants, I tried not to stare. I began having palpitations. Now my palms and groin were moist too. He placed his hand in the small of my back, guiding me to our seats. I kept forgetting to breathe. When I did, I was intoxicated by his smell. Black man mixed with spice, citrus, citrus, and vevedere. I wondered if Sean could tell this was the first time I'd been on a date with another man in 25 years. During the concert, I was worried about burping, farting, my breath smelling bad, or saying something stupid. Sean tapped his feet to the music. He didn't try to hold my hand or put his arm around me like my husband did on our first date. After the concert, Sean walked me to my car. My eyes took in all six feet, four inches of him. He was taller than my husband. Opening my car door for me, he said, call me when you get home. I did. A few days later, we were on the phone making plans to have sex like it was a science project. Sean said in the year since his divorce, he hadn't had sex. We decided he would come to my place and cook me dinner. I provided the wine. After our conversation, I began worrying. Worrying. I worried about my vagina. I was postmenopausal. I worried I'd be dry and sex would hurt. I got Melanie to prescribe vaginal estrogen. She's an OBGYN like me. I needed to wait two weeks for the estrogen to work. I didn't tell Sean this. I worried I'd forgotten how to kiss. I googled how to kiss. I started practicing on my hand. I worried about foreplay. I googled foreplay. You can't practice floor play by yourself. I worried he might want me to suck his dick. The only dick I'd ever sucked was my husband's. I worried he might think my breasts were too big, my belly too fat, and my ass too flat. I worried I didn't have any sexy lingerie. I bought a black lace demi bra and panty set and some Gucci guilty perfume because I was going to be guilty. The evening that Sean came over, I texted Melanie, Sean and I are going to have sex. If you don't hear from me in 24 hours, contact the police. She texted back, have fun and be careful, girl. I took a shower and sprayed guilty on the back of my neck, lower back, belly button, and behind my knees. Yes, I googled that too. I wore the black lace bra and panties under a button-down shirt, leaving a few buttons open showing cleavage and skinny jeans. Sean was on time. I met him at the door to my building. God, he smelled good and looked good. Same leather jacket, a white t-shirt hugged his chest and abs. He had a six-pack. His jeans were just fitted enough showing off his butt. I couldn't walk straight. I fumbled with the keys to my door. Once inside, he handed me his coat and hat. I hung them up in my hall closet. Sean still didn't kiss me. 
My panties were already wet, and it wasn't because I had coughed too hard. In the kitchen, I showed him where the pots and pans were, hoping he didn't notice my hands trembled. I watched him cook. When we talked, What we talked about, I don't remember. After the meal was done and prepared, we looked at each other and said we weren't hungry. He pulled me to him, bending down, kissing me. We kissed slow and long, like we both had been on a sexual starvation diet. Soon we were undressed in my bed. My mind screamed, guilty, guilty, guilty. But thoughts stopped. For the next four hours, we did it. Afterwards, while he was laying on his back, knocked out, I texted Melanie, mind-blowing sex. I won't be able to walk tomorrow. I got back in bed and snuggled up to him. A few hours later, we woke up famished. Eating microwave scampi, I told Sean about the vaginal estrogen. He laughed, saying, you didn't need it. Your pussy just needed me. He was right. I like to say this ended well. My divorce was final on Halloween. I drank a bottle of Moet and Chandon 2006 by myself. Sleepovers, phone calls, and texts stopped. I finally Googled Sean and discovered he was a registered sex offender. Yeah. Fortunately, his fight to overturn his wrongful convictions was successful. He's no longer on the registry. I now Google everyone I date. Much later, I found out he was an alcoholic. For the next three years, Sean was in and out of my life. Good dick will have you thinking you are in love. My friends and I call it being dickmatized. During one of our on-again spells, he said when he first saw me at the airport, he decided he was going to fuck me. Sean always showed up when I started dating someone else. My other best friend, Brandon, Brandon, said he had guidar or guy radar. Sean was in recovery and sober the last time we tried the relationship thing again. We lasted eight months, enough time for me to write his term papers. A paper I wrote was so good, his professor had Sean read it out loud in the class. We got A's. Before he disappeared and ghosted me the last time, he texted, save yourself. And that's what I'm doing. Yeah, that was real and truth. And I think one of the things about creativity is when you're trying to get your creative babies out in the world, it's because you have something to say and you want your voice to be heard. My acting teacher gave me a book. Uh, it's called The Right to Be Heard because he heard something in my voice that was kind of like a catch, he said. And maybe it was myself. Maybe I was censoring myself, which I think I learned to do growing up, especially um, not talking back to my mother and then also being in medicine. So if you're ready to get your creative babies out into the world, if you're ready uh, to have your voice heard, if you're ready to have your writings read, if you're ready to be seen on stage, if you're just ready and you want to leave something behind 
because we're all going to die. (laughs) I hate to say that, but it's the truth. Then direct message me, Dr. Lori, at rxpadpoet on Instagram, or Lori, Lori Linnell Hollins on Facebook and on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening and hope to hear from you soon. This is Dr. Lori, the Curating Creativity Podcast.